welcome to the ACOP Student Podcast, a production of the American College of Osteopathic Family Physicians. Hello and welcome to the ACOP Podcast, DOFM. I'm Karen Lai, Chair of the PR Committee. And I'm Simran Pandey, a member of the PR Committee. Today, we're so excited to be talking with Dr. Ethan Burke. He practices family medicine at Southern Illinois University Family Medicine Residency Program in Decatur, Illinois, as a faculty member providing both outpatient and inpatient services. Dr. Berg attended residency at Southern Illinois University at Springfield following the OB and academic track. He now holds a position as assistant professor at SIU practicing full spectrum family medicine and osteopathic manipulation treatment. In his spare time, he enjoys camping, fishing, hiking, and spending time with his children and wife who is a pediatrician at SIU as well. Uh, today, we're, we will be discussing National Primary Care Week and what primary care means to Dr. Berg. Thanks for coming on, Dr. Berg. Well, thanks for having me tonight. We're going to be asking you some questions about primary care since it is National Primary Care Week. Dr. Berg, please share with us what brought you to the family medicine specialty. So I picked family medicine as a specialty because I wanted to take care of all ages of patients from birth to death. I wanted to be able to provide care to patients in all aspects of healthcare from both inpatient and outpatient and just have long-term lifelong relationships with my patients. That's amazing. I think most of the people who are interested in this field can relate to this. Uh, I myself am a fourth year student and I am interested in family medicine for the same reason. I want to take care of everyone from like infant to geriatric population. Anyway, so as a family medicine physician, you do get the flexibility to practice in inpatient, outpatient, and OB setting. What kind of setting do you currently practice in? So currently, I practice in an academic setting. And so what that means is that I'm involved in teaching and educating family medicine residents, as well as medical students that rotate with us. And so my practice is both inpatient, seeing my own patients in continuity clinic. I also supervise residents in their clinics. And then I also provide inpatient care to patients that are admitted to the hospital as well as obstetrics. Got it. Okay. Uh, being an osteopathic family medicine physician, how, how do you utilize osteopathic manipulative treatment or uh, osteopathic principles in your practice? So I try to use OMT or OPP on a daily basis in my practice. I try and use it with every patient that I have clinic. I try and make a point of, you know, putting on my DO hat and trying to think about what I can provide to this patient in a different way than maybe my MD counterparts may provide for that patient, whether that be OMT or just OPP in the sense that I just look at patients a little bit differently sometimes. That's amazing. I haven't seen that many physicians who utilize their OMM skills, like DO physicians and who utilize their OMT skills on every patient. So I'm glad to hear that you do it on a daily basis. What kind of, what tips do you have for students who want to utilize their OMT skills and patients? So I always encourage both the students that I work with and our residents to think osteopathically, to always remember that we're DOs and that we come from a different background and that we have some different training perspectives than maybe our MD colleagues will have. 
So I always encourage them to, to remember those things and to think that we don't do just OMT, that we do um, the osteopathic principles and practice as well and try and incorporate those into their treatment plans for their patients. Right. Since this is also National Primary Care Week, I wanted to discuss a little bit about primary care here. Can you please share your thoughts and what it means to you to be a primary care physician? Sure. So, you know, my view on what primary care offers to healthcare is that we're kind of the frontline workers for patients accessing their patients' care. We are physicians that know the patients the best. They oftentimes trust us more than they trust anybody else in the healthcare system. You know, when we see patients on the inpatient side as well as the outpatient side, they're so grateful that we see them on the inpatient side because we know them better than any hospitalist would know who has only met the patient for a day. Um, right. Whereas we maybe have had a relationship with a patient for 20 years. So we provide that long-term meaningful relationship with that patient um, and can have a pretty large impact on a patient's life because of that. Forming long-term relationship is what the essence is of the primary care physician. Definitely. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Now, now, moving along the other side of the spectrum, what do you think is the most challenging aspect of, of primary care physician? So I think the thing that primary care struggles with the most is just a lack of time with our patients. There's a, you know, a great demand. There's not a lot of us out there. There's a need for more physicians of all specialties, but in particular in primary care. And because of that, we oftentimes are in a rush in some senses to, to see our patients and to get on to the next patient. And so sometimes that is sort of our biggest hindrance in primary care is to be able to to provide that and spend the time with the patients that we want to spend the time with them and that the patient also wants to spend time with us in the room and talking about their health and how we can improve it and things that we can do for them. For sure. Even I'm at like a student level and I've already felt that pressure, like whatever I'm doing my outpatient, I go to patient's room and I feel like, oh, I really need to rush through. But patient has like so many other problems that I'm like, how do I cover this? Yeah. You know, in that like 15 or 30 minute time period. Yep. And just following up with that, what do you think is contributing to this problem of shortages and providers? And what do you think we can do to change this? So, you know, this is a, another example of sort of where the, the osteopathic community has sort of stepped in to sort of fill this need. This is a need that doesn't just apply to primary care. It applies to pretty much every specialty in medicine, but is most often felt in primary care that there aren't enough physicians in the country. Physicians are aging out and retiring faster than we can graduate new physicians. So the DO community has sort of stepped up and offered new opportunities for learning from the very beginning for medical students. They've, you know, been encouraging schools to develop and open. They've off, you know, to encourage schools that are in existence to, you know, have more seats for so that we can graduate more physicians. And then the other side of that is once we graduate them, we have to then continue to educate them in residency and graduate medical, graduate medical education, which is where my realm is as an academic physician. And they've continued to support the graduating medical students with, you know, offering new residencies and trying to encourage primary care in particular, um, as osteopathic community has historically done, to try and graduate more primary care physicians to fill in that gap that we have currently in our country so that 
we can sort of meet the needs of our patients. I totally agree. Yeah, I'm really glad that we are producing more DO medical students and having that focus on primary care um, as DOs. So relevant to the current climate, how do you think primary care has been impacted by the COVID pandemic? So one of the things that we talk a lot about with you know, our residents and, and as, as healthcare professionals you know, and physicians is that family, you know, primary care and family medicine have been on the front lines of this pandemic. And one of the comments that's been made specifically about family medicine is that we've seen family medicine physicians be so adaptable and learning how to, you know, adapt to whatever their community is in need of. We've seen family physicians practicing emergency medicine. We've seen physicians practicing inpatient. Pretty much any healthcare setting, a family medicine physician can adapt themselves and become proficient and helpful in an emergency such as a pandemic because we have such a broad and, you know, full scope background that we come from it, you know, out of our training. So I think the pandemic has really showed the value of family medicine and that we're adaptable and that we can provide care in a crisis situation in a lot of different ways that we don't just provide outpatient care. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I've noticed is the prominence now of telemedicine and how that's benefited primary care since COVID started. It's really, technology has been really helpful for us in this situation as well. And we've been able to provide more care for people using telehealth. Yeah. And I think primary care has, was early adopters of the telehealth right at the very beginning of the pandemic. Primary care offices were switching to telehealth to try and give access to patients when clinics were closed. You know, many offices were doing it, even when their offices were closed, the physicians were doing it from their house, you know, talking with patients and keeping those appointments and keeping those relationships and answering questions for patients and helping guide people through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Moving on to maybe another issue that you're, you know, passionate in. What is something else in primary care that is important to you that you want to discuss about during this podcast? So one of the things that is a passion of mine in primary care is preventative medicine. We, we are set up in a system in the U.S. in particular of re, what I call reactionary medicine, meaning that we treat diseases like diabetes once they occur. We give them insulin. We do amputations as their diabetes progresses and isn't well treated. But my passion in primary care is to do preventative medicine, to be proactive with patients' health care, to be able to provide them with diet and exercise education, to talk about cancer screening, all of those preventative things so that we can prevent diseases in the first place, so that we don't burden our healthcare system with all of the disease that we currently treat. Yes, I totally agree that it's important to prevent diseases from progressing and primary care is basically your first go-to um, when you see a physician. And so I actually want to ask you more about how it's like to practice in a rural area compared to an urban area since I know Decatur is an area where they need more physicians due to the shortage there. Yes, so, so Decatur is a small community of about 35 to 40,000 people in central Illinois. 
So we're a fairly small community. So practicing in a smaller community or rural setting has a, you know, is different than practicing in an urban setting. We oftentimes have to be more flexible. We're required to do a broader, more diverse um, practice because of where we practice. And of course, anywhere you go, there's differences even in within rural settings. Some rural settings have maybe one a resource, something else that another rural site or place does not have. So we have to be fairly adaptable as rural physicians to be able to fill the needs of our communities. The other thing that is sort of different from an urban setting is that we oftentimes are looked at as the leaders in the community. We're asked to do things that don't always directly apply to healthcare. You know, sometimes we're asked to serve on committees or to be a resource because we're oftentimes the most educated. You know, we have the most years in school of anybody else in the community. So the community kind of looks to you as a resource. You know, I was able to do part of my training in medical school in Montana where I grew up and practice, you know, do some of my education in rural settings and seeing those physicians and the things that they were asked by their communities to do, whether that be sim something simple as providing OB care in a, you know, a setting where there was no other obstetricians to provide OB care or some of the physicians were involved in community committees and things like that that were not necessarily healthcare related, but they were the leaders in the community and were asked to be on these committees. Or sometimes it was going to the local high school and giving presentations on just healthcare topics or going to one of the places I worked at, they had a mine. So they would go every year and talk about just general health maintenance type things and talk about mine safety and things, the community there. So a rural physician has to be a little bit more adaptable and and flexible in their practice and sort of serve the needs of their community more specifically. And how would you say the demographic in a rural area is compared to an urban area? How do you have to adapt to those needs? So I think you, you know, as a family medicine physician, we get trained specifically on how to be adaptable. We learn to, to care for patients in a variety of settings whether that be an inpatient setting or whether that be an outpatient setting or even in the emergency room or on the labor and delivery floor. So we come from a training background where people are trained to be able to be flexible and to um, meet the needs of our patients in the communities that we serve. Yeah, I definitely feel like you're practicing full spectrum family medicine, which is what I'm interested in doing. And besides OB, can you tell us more about what other fellowship options there are within primary care for students who are kind of curious about that in family medicine? Sure. So there's lots of opportunities within family medicine to specialize into different, you know, areas or, you know, interests that you may have. I mean, there's fellowships in obstetrics, there's fellowships in emergency medicine, urgent care, there's fellowships on sports medicine, geriatrics, hospital medicine, sleep medicine, um, there's addiction medicine that you can get into and a whole bunch of other types of specialties that you can choose within family medicine that sort of fit the needs of you as a provider and interests that you may have. Thank you for answering that question. I feel that I didn't know about all these fellowship options as a student. And I feel knowing these options really help you pick your specialty 
once you are able to learn more about them. So lastly, what advice do you have to medical students in picking their specialty? So my recommendation to students when you're looking at specialties is to pick a specialty that makes you happy. Pick a specialty that is something that you're interested in and have a passion for, something that you're going to learn about for the rest of your career because we're lifelong learners. So pick something that you're interested in studying for the rest of your life. Really look at what you're doing in your third and fourth year rotations and not just look at what you do in the hospitals and what you do in the clinics with preceptors, but really look at what kind of work-life balance do they have? Does that fit with the work-life balance that you hope to have someday? Look at their call schedules. How often are they on call? Look beyond just the medicine that they practice to decide what you want to do and how you want to live your life going forward. Um, and don't pick a specialty just because they do a cool procedure that you want to do or practice in a setting that you want to practice in. Pick something that makes you happy for the rest of your career so that you won't experience physician burnout. Yeah, that's great advice. I decided I wanted to get into family medicine. A lot of it was for the lifestyle, of course, but also, you know, the continuity of care and being able to help people in my community. Um, and I think you definitely shared a lot of great information and advice for future primary care physicians out there. And I just want to thank you for your time and sharing your experiences. Well, thanks for having me, and it was a pleasure to talk with both of you. And thank you to our listeners. Be sure to check for future episodes of the DOFN podcast. The ACOFP Student Podcast is a production of the American College of Osteopathic Family Physicians. To learn more about ACOFP, please visit www.acofp.org. Looking for more resources on OMT? Visit ACOFP's OM Teaching at www.acofpomteaching.com and ask your institution if they subscribe so you can have access to over 150 OMT videos and support materials.